Hello, welcome to Delby Film. This week is a very special episode. We're going to be talking awards. I'm here again with Heidi Regan and Stuart Laws. Guys, what's your what would be your best picture winner of this year? I, I took I a real nice uh, dick pic the other day, and that would be my best picture. <laughs> a winner. <laughs> Just well, you know, winning neighbor. <laughs> when a neighbor's in need. De Niro lives opposite me. <laughs> You take a picture was of my dick for me. Long? <laughs> there was an intermission. <laughs> it was just Warren Beatty presenting Best Picture Award. It's like, oh, it turns out, um, no, the, the winner isn't Past Lives. It's um, Stuart Laws' penis. <laughs> Again. <laughs> um, I was going to say Past Lives, but it oh, yeah. is heavily based on the fact that I have only seen three on the list. So I don't know that I'm an expert, but I did love Past Lives. And compared to Barbie and Oppenheimer, it gets my vote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert. See, I, I like Past Lives. We did talk about it before, but I do want to see it again. Um, I think I'm in, a, I'm in a nice, soft, emotionally vulnerable place to like really let it hit me this time. Mm. Well, as you know, I bawled. All through the credits. Yeah, so, you bought in a basketball with you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in the cinema really annoyed. Smashing into the screen every time. <laughs> Is someone bowling? <laughs> every time a character cried, you just yelled three pointer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bowled, but uh, it was too much for me. I don't like sh- feeling all these emotions in movies, so that's why I've um, not yet visited several of the films because every time I read about them, all the- oh, I've also seen the holdovers, which was also oh, I've got I would pick I've got- past lives over that. I'm going to see Poor Things tomorrow. It's been annoyingly down, and I, I, look, I know I'm guilty here because I had a two and a half hour window the other day when I was like, <laughs> great, I'm free, I've got time to go to the cinema. I've got to see the holdovers. I've got to see poor things. I've got to see all of us strangers. I've got to see zone of interest. <laughs> I watched Madam Web. Yay, Stu! <laughs> I was wondering whether they're going. <laughs> Would you recommend? I hear it's terrible. It's so bad that I, I needed. That's what I needed. I, can't wait. I was like, mm. I know I'm going to enjoy poor things more in the long run, but right yeah. now I need to go in, switch off my brain. Yeah. This is yeah. the problem. I think I always want to switch off my brain. It's rare that I, like I was um, saying to you about uh, American fiction, I really want to see it, but I'm scared of the emotions. And mm. I know that there'll be no emotions troubling me when I see Madam Web. Other than <laughs> so what emotions regret. do you want to feel? <laughs> what emotions are you seeking for, seeking from a film then? So you don't want sadness. Yeah, what are you looking yeah. for, Heidi? I want complete disassociation would you say is the word mm. something oh so you I want to film nothing. a ketamine yeah you want it to be sedated yeah i've literally been talking oh about how God, much i love it. general anesthetic because i get to stop existing for an <laughs> hour and that's what i want from my cinema now i cease to exist how are you speaking so, like a junkie yeah yeah there's so few Hell people junkie. I've got enough of an experience of general anaesthetic to have an opinion on it beyond <laughs> it make me go sleep sleep. It's the best sleep sleep. Oh. Seriously, I really recommend some sort of traumatic bone injury. So you need to get a general <laughs> anaesthetic to reset it. I've genuinely been uh, suggesting on stage that people find any excuse to go have 
<laughs> surgery. Let me see how many times I've had a general anaesthetic. I've had it one, two, three, four, five, maybe six times. Loved every second, I'm guessing. Yeah, uh, you know what? One time when I went under, I it was in Stoke Mandeville Hospital, and from the ward, you're wheeled on the bed outside under a covered way to the uh, surgery room. Oh, and you know you're in that little pre-room where they're administering the general anaesthetic, and just having a nice chat with them, just just doing a bit of admin. I was like, so tell me about the um about like the the cleaning process because obviously I've just been wheeled in from outside, so like. You know, it's a clean environment in there. Like, what? How does that work? Do you clean the wheels or something like that? And the last thing I heard before I went under was, "Oh yeah, good point." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so cool, though. That's like um, at a water park when you go on the slide, and there's a little bit when it goes outside the building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where you wave at all the other patients. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting another inch added. <laughs> As mud and dust collects on the wheels. <laughs> that's yeah, but that's I've only had it a couple of times. But Heidi, I think you're going to end up like Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet with just one of those constant um, gas masks, oh, just constantly yes, anesthetizing yourself. Um, anyway, I feel like I've sidetracked us from cinema there. Um, yes, yes. But uh, that so yeah, I don't know what I. I think I just want to feel excitement and uh, titillation. And although I did like the holdovers and that gave me some emotion, but not too much. I found, I thought it was a cliche film done well. Mm. Cliche well, in the best possible way. Should we rank the uh, best picture nominees from like easiest, lightest watch to hardest, but potentially most rewarding watch? <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. Although one tag for holdovers. Um, I had a dream last night. I think in, prepare, in preparation for this, I had a dream that I watched the holdovers and, um, all of us strangers but in the dream i got to the end of all of us strangers and um andrew scott wasn't in it so i think my subconscious forgot he was in it and i think that's when i realized i was dreaming i was like oh wait andrew scott's in that i should go that's not oh, how wow. that film would probably be your your the way you lucid dream is because of your good film knowledge <laughs> you notice the continuity error and go no 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 i like that you're you're in the um the city that you and mole built sort of trying to identify whether or not you're in a dream or not and you're like andrew scott's in that film and then the city starts crumbling around you <laughs> that's a, a blu-ray dvd of all of us strangers is my totem yeah 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 you just scrabble to look at the front cover he's on the, he's on the front cover oh. <laughs> that's not the cinematographer i remember reading about <laughs> If Michael Caine is in All of Us Strangers, that's how I know it's not a dream. That's how I tell the difference. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's rank. Say it again how you want to do it, Stu. So the easiest, lightest. lightest watch to the hardest but potentially most rewarding. So obviously I guess we're starting with, with Barbie or yeah. American Fiction. I would I'd oh, say Barbie. Barbie is lightest. Yeah. yeah. Although Werner Herzog recently just said in an interview that um, he watched the first half an hour of Barbie and thought that's what he imagined hell would be like. Yeah. Was he saying that in a critical way or was he saying he appreciated, he was talking about Barbie world itself. He wasn't talking about the film. No, I think he just meant like the aesthetic of the film. Like, <clears throat> yeah, just yeah. To be, which I, agree, I think like that is, that's what a bad acid trip I think would feel like to be stuck yeah. in a world that had that aesthetic. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think I only just saw it, but I thought people were taking it as a slag of the slack, a slagging off of the film. Yeah, you thought Herzog was being a slag. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> here comes that Herzog slag again. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm but sick Barbie, of people think- calling me a slag. <laughs> yeah. I was simply not wanting to be in Barbie world. <laughs> Man's default nature is to be a slag. I look at Barbie and it is hell to me because I cannot be a slag. <laughs> um, I'm Barbie, then straight in to, I'd say, holdovers. Yeah. Having, I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to be, is why I want to see it. It's supposed to be, it wasn't on anywhere near. That would have been my priority before Madam Web because it's like, it seems like a, a nice hug of a film. It did, yeah. 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 I mean, it was, it had very bleak moments, and, but yeah, I handled it. So, well, so I the hugs. Know it's yeah. handleable. Yeah, yeah, that moment you, you did very aware. bleak hugs. But one of you is more into the hug than the other. <laughs> that, that one of you is drunk. <laughs> that bit when you feel them release, but then go back. Like, oh no, yeah. they're, they're ready for this to That's end bleak. now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's my favourite um, bit of the hug. <laughs> so Barbie, then holdovers. Uh, I've only got one more I've seen and can comment on, so I'm I'm turning it over to you guys. Then I'd say Poor Things is the next lightest. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I think because I like Poor Things, it's fun, but it's pretty slight thematically. Yeah, don't spoil it, but like half of it I adored. The other half I was like, all right, yeah, I get it now. It's like the um, uh, regular guest on this podcast, right? Wait. What? Half of your doors. Yeah, and then after <laughs> point, I'm like, let's wrap it up. <laughs> Is um poor things? Um, will I enjoy the quirkiness? Yeah, I thought. I think you will because I saw the trailer and I was like, fuck this. But then I instantly bought it to the logic of the world and actually really okay. enjoyed it. But I think poor things is like, um. It's almost like Bizarro Barbie. Right, yeah. Because I loved The Favourite, so I'm guessing I'll enjoy it. I think The Favourite's better, and okay. Killing of a Sacred Deer is better. But but I think my big thing with Poor Things is because like the, the, the two, the Oscar b- battle is between Emma Stone and Lily Gladstone, really. And I think Lily Gladstone should win for Killers of the Flower Moon for like this, you know, first Native American woman ever nominated for a role. And it's like a, it's, she's the beating heart of the film. And it's a really sort of like quiet, like restrained performance. And I just think it would be kind of problematic for this really noble, um, just history making performance to be trounced by a woman playing someone with the brain of a baby. Here's my counter argument to that. I'm not sure how much of like it's a good performance killers of the flower moon but it's not like i'm not going to say it's the most compl- complex performance in the world i'm not saying i could do it mm. i'm not saying that, that that would be pre- preferable i, need to I, I get it. that you're saying you could play her role yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's very good and very compelling but i just think she's got better performances coming in in her career Mm. I think there'll be like better, like, and I don't want to say showy because that's, I don't think like, like I still am annoyed that uh, I always forget her name because she's an old French woman, but like the uh, lead in Amour, 
yeah, way yeah. more deserved it than Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Oh. Um, and it was very unshowy, but I just am just like, without saying poor things, but I'm just like, I think Lily Gladstone's got a huge career ahead of her. And mm. will we look back and be like, oh, we gave her that Oscar way too early. Also, who gives a shit? It's the Oscars, doesn't matter. But <laughs> we're doing a podcast about it. So we have to tacitly <laughs> acknowledge there's some significance to them. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart. Much I... like her role in um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, without her, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, fair. I, I want to point out the conspiracy level here that Jennifer Lawrence and Emma Stone are now famously best friends and they're both possibly stopping people from winning Oscars. That That's alarm bells for me. Yeah, that is absolute mm. alarm bells. I hate <laughs> it so much. <laughs> I love. I think it really helps you to make that point that you took a big puff of your general anaesthetic pipe before <laughs> dropping your conspiracy bomb. I'll be honest, I was out of it for most of your discussion. Just <laughs> I heard Jennifer Lawrence. I was like, I got something to say. <laughs> Let's give it a shout out to Emmanuel Riva. This is dedicated to Emmanuel Riva and your um, Bravaro performance where you provided oh. my favourite nude scene in a film ever. Who is this person? She's in Amor. She's ah, the lead in Amor. I see, I see. And it's just one of the best performances of the last 25 years. Oh, An yeah. arbitrary number that I've just come up with. but Is Amor the one where does she have Alzheimer's? Yeah. So I shan't be watching it, and that is why I have not watched it. Um, I also chose 25 years because that meant we didn't have to consider the US Godzilla. Yes. Yeah. Which is also about Alzheimer's. Performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you talking Matthew Broderick? Yeah. Yes. Nice. That's to this day the only Godzilla film I've ever seen. You're a um, purist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the recent one and I uh, really enjoyed myself, particularly having, uh, I respected that the film was slightly shorter than your average Oppenheimer. So it won so me you, I enjoyed that a lot. And that brings us though into the, the next, I feel like Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer fall into the same sort of zone of like done as big budget compelling sort of like easy to watch films in in many ways but both mm. are fucking long which then marks them down yeah yeah and I, yeah oppenheimer became uneasy to watch for me the longer it went on because you thought it was like not enough anti-bomb i thought <laughs> it needed more bomb <laughs> and, <laughs> as we have discussed less admin but yes but I just rewatched. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just needed an interval so you can go and re up on your wine. I think that's yeah. what you needed. And yeah, I, think yeah. I, mean, I could intervals. ask them at the bar who is Robert Downey Jr.'s character, <laughs> and then I would understand so much more. <laughs> Sorry, Nathan. They should do that. I think in the same way you've got, um, like, you know, subtitled screenings or dog friendly screenings, they should have sort of like mixed ability learning 
screenings. <laughs> so there's an interval. You can go and Google halfway through. Just chat with your friends. Make sure you're all on the same page. Check in and then go back yes. in. Yeah, there could oh, be really? a film bro in the foyer that you could go yeah. up and chat with. <laughs> and just be like, can you tell me some of the themes and stuff that I'm missing out on? <laughs> Although the horror I have felt every time I've been dragged to the theatre to another three-hour play and when it gets suddenly the lights go up and I go, oh, my God, it's over. This is wonderful. It's weird <laughs> they didn't resolve so much of it, but I'm, I was confused anyway. And then someone goes, that's intermission and the horror of thinking I have another <laughs> half to go and plus 15 <laughs> minutes of intermission time. And I'm like, oh, my God. So maybe it is you just got to get through it in one go. Yeah, it's like when you um, are asleep in a car journey and you feel the car stop and you wake up, you're like, oh, we're here, but you're at a service station. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, yeah. Fuck. I did yeah. that on a plane once where I fell asleep oh. while we were having huge <laughs> turbulence because I find turbulence very, like, soothing. It kind of rocks me to sleep, but we were in a, like, <laughs> If I had to quit being a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's my trigger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, destination snooze town. <laughs> Why is it so lulling? <laughs> We're about to go into snooze control. <laughs> Just to warn you, ladies and gentlemen, we are about to enter some very sleepy times. <laughs> um, but no, I, w I fell asleep while it, it was turbulence and then um, and I was with my brother and I woke up as it hit a big pocket. And I just turned in and went like, oh, it landed. It's like, no, we're in a really bad storm. Someone <laughs> was, was literally like, screaming. Was the like, mask of all oh, gone down. The <laughs> <laughs> whole side of the plane's gone. Oh, it landed. I might get a Toblerone. <laughs> just unbuckled my seatbelt immediately without <laughs> Sucked out. Sucked out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so Oppenheimer. Well, I'd say after Poor Things, personally, I'd go American Fiction. You know, I haven't seen it. It's it's a funny film, real easy watch. There are some obviously some tough tough elements to it, but I think it it largely hits punchlines quite regularly. That yeah, makes it quite a fun easy watch. Nathan, but I had a lot of fun um, during Killers of the Flower Moon. I've not seen American Fiction yet. I'm seeing it tomorrow. Actually, I'm going to try do a cinema day and do holdovers and fiction back to back. Mm. Ass to ass. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Requiem for a Dream Double Bill. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to the Curzon. So I'm assuming there's like an ask to ask discount. Yeah. Like, please, I've told you. I don't know what you mean. I'm here for the Requiem for a Dream Ask to Ask. <laughs> Double. <laughs> what do you mean this makes <laughs> Oh In my God, don't make me explain it again. <laughs> <laughs> to the police again? <laughs> Dressed in a full gimp suit with my Dune 2 pop popcorn bucket. <laughs> um, then we go Oppenheimer, then we go Killers of the Flower Moon, because Killers of the Flower Moon has got a more distressing theme, which is weird considering Oppenheimer is about the potential end of the world. <laughs> I just yeah. watched Killers of the Flower Moon. I did it at home and... So seven years of my life have been taken up by Killers of the Flower Moon so far. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. But did I tell you my my theory, the, the unsubstantiated rumour that it was written by Paul Thomas Anderson? Really? Because Wait, you know what sort who, of... Who did write it? So Eric Roth is a cre credited screenwriter who's kind of a gun for hire. He did like um, 
Forrest Gump, um, yeah. Dune, um, The Insider, uh, Benjamin Button. But half when DiCaprio came on board, like it wasn't working. So they retrofit, because it's all going to be about the investigation. So then they sort of did a huge mass rewrite and put it from like sort of Lily Gladstone's perspective. They prioritized her more. And so the theory is that PTA came on board to do an uncredited rewrite to basically accommodate that. And watching it a second time through that lens, I'm like, it does feel a lot like a PTA film. There's a lot of PTA in there. But you a weird want relationship him to with be involved underage. in everything you yeah. ever witnessed. <laughs> but there's a wish fulfillment going on here. <laughs> there's strange father-son dynamics. There is, um, this is, okay, this is the extent of my film, Nerdum. I've, I've done a real deep dive. So there's um, father-son dynamics. There is, you could say it's like almost... DiCaprio's character is a lot like uh, Freddie Quill, who's Joaquin Phoenix's character from The Master, placed in the world of There Will Be Blood. And I went into the script, and PTA has a very particular way of writing, and um, that is reflected in the, the screenplay, which is not... There are certain phrases used in the production script, script of Kids of the Flower Moon that are used in PTA scripts, but not in Eric Roth scripts. Oh, and there's that bit where it frogs. Yeah, <laughs> where I kept saying, um, by the way, I am Paul Thomas Anderson. I'll support <laughs> it in parentheticals. I'll support your conspiracy theory if you support mine that Jennifer Lawrence and Emma Stone are best friends who get nominated for Oscars when there's other people possibly more deserving. <laughs> the conspiracy. Okay, we'll merge them. We'll do a conspiracy merger. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, so from... Those ones, what comes next out of Zone I of Interest, Anatomy of a Fall, Maestro, and... Oh, We've it. left Maestro too late. I don't think we can put Maestro, a film about... Uh, no, I mean, a hagiography. About... I, go I know where it's going. I know where it's going. The, the rest of the order is Anatomy of a Fall, The Zone of Interest, Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> It's too stressful to watch. There's too much going on with that. There's no way anyone should watch it. What is the plot of Maestro? Correct. Um, that's impossible to answer. There is none. There is, is there the none? Plot is Bradley Cooper wants to prove that he's a serious actor. Yeah. Bradley Cooper it- is such a Lisa Simpson. He is such a tryhard. He's, he's the male Anne Hathaway. And I think that is, it's so off-putting. I've had a lot of time for Cooper. But this, yeah. it, it really, I really hated Maestro. I really, really hated it. It felt like an like, SNL sketch. Okay. Is it? Is it like, does it feel a lot like he's trying to be a very big actor in it? 100%. Big actor, yeah. big director, just an all-rounder. It's, Did the, he direct the film it? Is, yeah, and wrote and directed it. And which is, again, it's a huge achievement and it looks incredible. But the whole film has the feeling of that... Um, have you seen the SNL sketch where it's um, Kristen Wiig playing Liza Minnelli trying to turn off a lamp? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that for two and a half hours. <laughs> and that, you should that link should... that in the show notes. <laughs> um, well, I can't wait to see it. You've really made it sound compelling and not like something my attention span will struggle with. Oh, you would despise it. It's something you would hate. And it is, I think, the big controversy beforehand was, is it okay for Bradley Cooper to portray a Jewish man and wear a prosthetic nose? 
And I think for the most part, I didn't think that was that much of an issue because it is a dedicated performance and he does disappear into the role, even if it is a bit of a caricature because you never really get to the core of it. But there is one moment where he is speaking to his child and um, he's wearing a Harvard t-shirt, but Harvard is written in Yiddish. And I was like, this feels a little bit offensive now. This is, that's, you're clearly, now it feels a bit like cultural appropriation. Yeah, yeah. It is a weird one because I know that's Harvard. (laughs) 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 You're not a Harvard man, Cooper. If you didn't go, you don't get to wear the chair. (laughs) Um, I know that there's you know some uh, displeasure with Killian playing a Jewish man, Mm. but you know, obviously, no prosthetics, no like, you know. Jewish face sort of stuff going on. Yeah. So Maestro does just, it does feel like it was a film from 30 years ago. Mm. Mm. It's just, but also I, I think if you know a fuck ton about Leonard Bernstein, you may enjoy it, but I don't really know much about him. So like I came away from the film being like, why is this guy a big deal? I'd had no real idea. I had nothing. So it's like, I think that's the fundamental failure of the film. Like it gets to the end and there's like a scene with Bradley Cooper because it's really elliptical. So you just see like bits of his life and you're meant to put the pieces up together yourself. So by the end of the film, Cooper's there with his children and I was like, who the fuck are these people? Are these kids? I just had no context for anything. You just really... experienced how I felt in Oppenheimer when Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this guy? Oh, this fuck, guy yeah. die when he stopped Thanos. I actually think yeah. that's what Maestro was. Maestro was like me experiencing how you experience all films forever. <laughs> I, I, I understand film, you now. Just recently, any film over three hours, something <laughs> like brain just shuts down and wipes all knowledge. <laughs> that it may be to do with the drinking a wine to get me through the three hours and then being so filled with rage that I blank out. <laughs> Maybe I should start when I go in. But I think that's that is what Maestro feels like. Maestro feels like Maestro is about two hours and ten minutes, maybe. But it felt felt like I was watching a four hour film. But I kept having blackouts and missing wow. bits. Yeah, so I felt like that's what. Yeah, now I I understand you, Heidi, completely. Thank you. Yeah, five Thank stars for Maestro. <laughs> so and that we've got still there, Anatomy of a Fallen Zone of Interest. No, I, I, put, no, I put Anatomy of a Fall earlier, like just after Oppenheimer, I'd say. What mm. what goes after Oppenheimer? Anatomy of a Fall. Oh, I that's another one I'm scared to watch because, um, well, me and Kat went to watch it the other day and then instead saw um, The Holdovers because I said, as far as I'm aware, Anatomy of a Fall is about going over horrific arguments in a marriage and mm. we were like we don't want that vibe tonight for us. yeah there's a lot of um, introspection to walk away from it with but it's yeah, great yeah. it's not depressing it's unsettling yeah 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 definitely i will and see it i kept yeah. screaming at the screen that's not me i felt really challenged yeah. by it yeah yeah but that was like the dog you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> that's not like me i can act like that <laughs> The dog actor in Anatomy of a Fall is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, it is 
Who did they get? Absolutely superb performance. It's Andy Serkis. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was Bradley Cooper. Oh, this is really accused of doing doggish face. (laughs) (laughs) Who didn't need the nose? It was just. Uh, um, actually, Nathan, that's offensive. It's a snout. <laughs> oh, fuck. Please don't cancel me, dog lobby. <laughs> dog lobby, big dog lobby. Lobby. <laughs> um, what about... So what? So Anatomy of a Fall and Zone of Interest, which one is harder to watch? Oh, Zone of Interest, I think. Yeah. I haven't... But I've been chat with someone about it. It's, it's First of all, it's not structured like a traditional film. It's sort of like it just dips in to like this thing. It doesn't really have any set sort of structure, narrative sort of structure to it, apparently. And it's about uh, one of the most horrendous things that's ever happened. Yeah. yeah. Why not, and- I'm not much of a history buff. So the whole time I'm like, what's going on on the other side of that wall? Get me over there. I did a bit of research. Turns out it was a nightmare. Turns out it was horrible. You were is like- it also um, terrifying in terms of this is what humanity is destined to repeat? any day now type thing. Kind of. Well, the thing is, because like you don't see anything, so it's you are just basically living with the family and it's like just a family drama, but it's a family who are living next to hell on earth. Uh... But, and because you're not, you never see anything. You only get like glimpses of it, like coming Ooh, through. Should never, we say never spoilers? Just cause this that's... is a spoiler. This is at like, the premise. Okay. So like, but like, so because of that, you know what's happening. So it exists in your head. And because Ooh. it all exists in your head, you take that away with you. So I feel like after the film, I just came home and just sat because you don't, if if you are just like connecting with a film, what you're seeing, you can kind of shut that off when the credits end. But because the film is just creating this like vacuum in your head and filling that limbic space with what you're imagining is going on on the other side of that wall, that's what you take mm. with you. So it's, it's really, yeah, Ooh. it's haunting. Yeah. Much like... Madam Web <laughs> makes you think. <laughs> it really makes you think. About the Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, I feel like wherever you were going to go with that riff, you wisely stopped yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really pulled the handbrake on that riff. Um, so if we're talking about who's going to be the big winners, it's going to be Oppenheimer, right? Oppenheimer's going to sort of sweep the board. Yeah. I will say like, it's kind of, it's kind of weird that like everyone from the second it came out, it's just been like, so Danny Jr. going to get supporting actor. And I was like, yeah, for kind of a role that no one, he's great in it, but like no one talks about it. It's just, everyone just assumes like, yeah, so you'll get that. Who's he up against otherwise for supporting actor? Uh, De Niro. Um. Ryan Gosling. De Niro, Gosling, Sterling K. Brown. I would Brown, love Gosling to win. And Ruffalo. I actually think Gosling should win, to be yeah. honest. I think that's... I you talking about... Brilliant. The role that everyone's talked about this year, it's, it is Gosling, really. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? That might be the one that Barbie wins. I think Barbie will just go away empty-handed. Yeah. But then I will think... they be scared to have the only win from Barbie be the Ken... I feel like there have been murmurs of that already. Uh, yeah, but only like the toxic fan base. I feel yeah. like yeah. the Barbie fan base is the female equivalent of the Rick and Morty fan base. <laughs> 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 
Well, I'm in both camps, so I don't know what to feel there. <laughs> um, I oh, past think lives. We didn't past, lives past lives will win some. Oh, didn't we? Oh, no, we didn't. I think uh, that I watched oh, yeah. it and loved it, but also I cried a lot at the end, so I feel like put that, I think that was near the bottom. But, yeah. yeah, sneaking after Oppenheimer. I think it will win something big. Do you think, Do you no, think it I might think win it original screenplay? I think it could get screenplay. I think Although, American Fiction might win original screenplay because it's yeah. about writing, so it makes people think... Um, that's adapted oh. screenplay that's up for. Oh, it's adapted, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know much. Um, but that's where Oppenheimer sits, right? But I guess Oppenheimer might be the one where they pass on Oppenheimer. I think they give anatomy- director, they give actor, they give picture. I think Anatomy of a Fool is going to win Best Original Screenplay. Cause that, yeah, yeah. I think that is a very writerly film, and it's got a big speech that's going around to doing the rounds online. The Barbie speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, th- I think like Zone of Interest could sneak something big. I think that's the only contender that could maybe sneak a surprise best picture or yeah. a surprise director. The Academy loves a Holocaust film. Can't believe Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny has got a nomination. As a, what's it <laughs> For original score. Um, the okay. score was also fucking terrible, I thought. Like, I mean, I know it's the Indiana Jones score, there's nostalgia. Now I thought, I, I actually can't, I can't, believe the level of contempt i have for dial of destiny and i don't even have that much aff- affection for the believe, franchise in general i can believe I your it's... level of contempt for it. <laughs> <laughs> i think I the zone of interest is you gonna... adored it <laughs> uh zone of interest will win the international feature right yeah. that's where they'll just give it there ah uh, yeah um sorry just to interrupt i'm gonna have to go shortly just because cat needs to use the room um, okay, cool. And we've got like uh, just for wrapping up, any main things to prioritize? Sweet. Let's go through it. Just see if there's any big Oscar. Is there I a think... movie this? Sorry, so go on. you go. Let's cut in now. Um, I think visual effects is where Godzilla minus one is going to pick up something. Yeah. Or they're going to give it the creator. That's sort of they're quite fun. Yeah, I still want to see the creator. But I think really too, incredible um, visual effects in that. Just like it, it was made for like 60 million and it looks like a 200 million sort of dollar film. Mm. But like a good one, not in the fact that a lot of 200 million dollar films look like dog shit. Yeah, the Madam Webs, the Madam Webs of the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh Madam Webs, there... let's talk about it, is set in 2003 for no reason. <laughs> like they don't do anything fun with that apart from they play Toxic, Britney Spears Toxic at one point. <laughs> And you're like, sorry, hang on, you've done a period film 20 years ago. That's like in the 90s, having a film set in the 70s, but at no point, you know, having any sort of like smoke rising from New York and sort of seedy things happening and people wearing (laughs) weird hats, which I assume is what New York in the 70s was. Yeah, you see Taxi Driver, that's exactly it. Yeah. Whereas Madden Webb looked like now. But kind of 2003 does look like now a little bit. Like, time has kind of stopped. Everything just looks... Mm. There are elements yeah, yeah. Of that are a bit... It's a bit different, but like not as drastic as the 90s to the 70s. I would say the cars and the phones and everything, it just not... It doesn't feature in any way. And, like, it, it, if if people were walking around with iPhones in or wearing, like, the, the Apple goggles in Madam Web, I wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so... But, like... 
Okay, so I think to like wrap things up, is there one film that has just not been fe- featured in like the awards conversation this year that you think should have? Ooh. I'm trying to think what other films there have been this year, last year. I'll start. So my big one is Passages. Passages should have been nominated for more. Passages, I think, was a fucking masterpiece. I just well, just short of a masterpiece, maybe. But like, it's the one with um, Ben Whishaw, and it's about this like narcissist living in Paris, who, and he basically he's, he's married to Ben Whishaw, but he meets Adele Exochopoulos, and is like, I want to have sex with a woman, and I'm going to, and oh. so it's just this guy like infecting people's lives and just being a total monster. Oh, it's incredible. Okay. It's really unique and it just shows the kind of person that is so recognizable, but I've not seen portrayed on screen before. Yeah, that sounds cool. A real Nathan Darcy Roberts type. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan, would you say it's that and, and Saltburn for you that you feel like missed out? Yeah, I feel Saltburn um, has been really done dirty this year. Uh, I think it should have been nominated for Best Picture, Best Score, and Best Kiss uh, at the NTV Movie Awards. Um, How about uh, Asteroid City? <laughs> yeah, I su- I'm surprised it's got nothing. Like, not even a, screenplay. Not a, a screenplay, yeah. A bit of cinematography, maybe. Yeah. I think that's because the screenplay was confusing and dull. <laughs> Shots fired. Oh damn, this cat's got claws. Um yeah, I can't think of any other films from the year that haven't my big one was Past Lives, I think. But that got the nominations you so wished for. Oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> Literally Staying up late, lighting room. candles, praying to Jar that past liars will get Academy recognition. And there's been no Marvel films that I needed in nominations, so that's me done. <laughs> oh, What's your Marvel a... film of the year? Go on. And what are you looking most forward to, Heidi? We can wrap up on this, on this award mm. season. <laughs> I'm, I'm most looking forward to re-watching Endgame. <laughs> Avengers <laughs> Endgame. <laughs> It's insane to me that you've just talked unbroken about how long films are. And you're like, but I cannot wait to watch three and a half hour Endgame, which I'm assuming you're going to need the one before it, which so you're looking at a good like six and a half hours of movie. Oh, I know what was what should have got a nomination that was my film of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, so fun. Yeah. Oh, I haven't done that yet. Oh my that. God, I've seen it twice. That should have got best screenplay, best director. <laughs> um, what else? Best actor for Jonathan, the the character with wings that the that comes to the thing, the court session at the start. The one that, Jonathan. Jonathan. Know you know when they're waiting for Jonathan in the opening trial, and then no spot. Oh no! Then they grab him. I don't want to spoil it because it's a great gag. Hugh Grant actually should have got Best Supporting Actor for playing the villain in that. And just Hugh Grant should get a nomination for any time I see him oh, anywhere. Like He should get a nomination for his Oompa Loompa joke at the Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, hey, did uh, you see that? I meant to send it to you, Nathan, because yeah. it was Hugh Grant for starters and it was him mocking how long the films were. 
Mwah. I didn't. I actually didn't see that. I just saw the Oompa Loompa bit. I didn't see the rest. Well, he, he said uh, director category, and then he goes Oompa Loompa, Doopity Dong. Most of these films were far too long. And then he goes, <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. So that my two nominations would be Dungeons and Dragons and Hugh Grant at the BAFTAs. <laughs> That's apart from that, you think the Academy was 100 100- percent correct such a shield for the academy heidi it's it's not going to get you a nomination um yeah so that's it the end (laughs) (laughs) Uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of there'll be film and we'll be back again next week please remember to rate review and subscribe and we'll see you next week bye